Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Nerdcaster Podcast. I'm your host and resident Nerdcaster, Joe. And with me again this week, I have Lori. Hi. And we're going to change a few things up uh, due to formatting. I think we're going to start with some news today. Sound good to you? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Why not? Yeah, especially since I'm excited about a few of these things. Um, so I'll start off with that Nintendo has now planned uh, and announced they will be again releasing the NES Classic. Um, Which I really couldn't give a shit about. Okay. Just, I'm going to be frank about that. I don't care. So, I'm not a fan of just repackaging the same stuff over and over again to make me drop my money on it like I always seem to do and not okay. Yeah, but you don't have an NES Classic to begin with, so you didn't drop any money on it yet. I understand that, but like, how many, how much money do people drop on the original games? Or like... You know, or you could have emulated. I just don't understand, like, the need to buy. I mean, it's a cheap purchase. What is it, like? I th- It was, like, 60 bucks. 60 bucks. Okay, so, like, the price of, like, one game. normal game. And you get 30 now. games on I don't care. Quant- it's quality over quantity. And some of these games, you know, may be awesome and great for their time and everything like that. It's just, like, how many times have these games just been repackaged and resold? And I don't know. How many times have you seen Super Mario Brothers 2 resold? I don't know. Not the point. The original Legend of Zelda. So, a few specifics were shared, but we know that the NES Classic Edition is coming back to North America and Europe. No date has been planned, but speculation, according to GameSpot, is saying uh, summer of next year. I think that... I hope it tanks. I don't. I, I kind of like the fact they're coming back out with it. I think they did a trial run with it the first time, and I think that's why it was only limited. If they know they can make more money off of this, Nintendo's going to push it as many times as they, they can. I think what happened, though, is they cr- because Nintendo does what it does all the time, and that's create this illusion of demand by under-manufacturing for like a normal demand. So people go crazy because all of a sudden they can't get it. Now, how many people are just like, oh my god, I need this in my life, or I've been waiting for this forever? I haven't heard anything about the NES Classic until now for eight months. Yeah. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Well, the SNES Classic comes out this month. Again, I haven't really heard much hype about that myself, but um, I, I my, my issue is I think it's cool. I like the fact that Nintendo's making it so their product is going to work with their controllers that they release with this. I mean, because anybody can go out and find instructions on the internet. Anywhere on the internet, it's very easy to find to obtain a microcomputer like a Raspberry Pi and turn it into an NES Classic and have unlimited games if they know where to look. Now, see, I'm a fan. I always want to give, you know, the original creators their due. You know, you pay for... You know. I get it, but when do games co- become public domain, like music or movies or anything like well, that? Well, how long does it take for a piece of music to become public domain? Uh, a long time. Yeah, so I mean, I don't. We're not going to see it in our generation because. They- but with how technology is changing, the public domain numbers could change too. I don't too. think that those. I don't think those will ever change. I think it'll still stay standard, and that's fine. You know, it, well, it's kind of like all those CDs and all those like infomercials that you saw as a kid, like. Like uh, all these, like you know, greatest hits from the '80s or hair metal, and and they're selling you the same songs. 
Se- you know. 70 years after the death of the author for it to become published. So I mean. who's the author? Because like, you had how many people on the production of a game? The production of a game. Well, if what it's about a- films? Have films ever become public domain? Because you figure when was the first film ever made? That was like in the 1900s. Well, for corporate works, anonymous works, and works for hire, 95 years from the date of publication. Well, that works. Or 120 years from the date of creation, whichever expires first. So, I mean, I, according to this, we'll, I don't think I'll see them become public domain in my lifetime. No. But I don't know. These games are from the 80s and, and early 90s. Nobody cares about them anymore. You're, thus, you're proving my point. So how do you know creators aren't still getting money from these residuals and, and everything else? Who's a creator at that point, though? Versus... You know, because they're created for hire, you know. I don't know what type of employment tr- contracts Nintendo had with their, you know, with their employees or people who worked on the games or, you know, I don't, I don't, like, you know, who who's the creator? Is it the writer? Is it the director? Is it, you know, who who gets that? I have, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I think it's the person who came up with the game. And if it's the company that came up with the idea, it would go under the corporate works. I think that would be I don't know, especially here's, in the 80s. I think here's my really thing. hard to figure out. Games know. are changing so very fast that I don't know if these fit in the same category. Maybe, and I agree with you. I, I agree that, that music artists should get their due. I agree people who write books should get their due. Um, I agree that, that video game writers, directors, programmers, whoever, should get their due too. But when is that over with? That's the question. When do they stop getting monies or royalties or anything? I don't think they should ever stop. But when is it safe to – I don't know how to put this. Maybe maybe I'm just falling into a trap here. Fell right in my trap. But when is it okay to be able to use these things on on a third-party device? For free, for without having to pay anybody for it. But you're you're buying the device. You're creating the device. You're building the device, and you're putting these – Onto said device. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why is it now yours? Why is it because not- technically the ROMs? If you do something like this, you're supposed to own the physical copy of the game, right? Which is why I'm not releasing how exactly to go about doing this. Because mm-hmm. I've you n- only have a physical copy of the game. Of yeah, course. of course, because that's what everybody does. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, but. We could probably go on with public domain and, and, and these games things forever. So final thoughts. I think it's a pretty cool thing. People are still getting money for it if you buy it. Why wouldn't you do it? Because I don't want to buy it. Then fine. Don't buy it. I'm but... not going to. That was my whole point. Okay. So don't. I'm telling but I might buy it. Buy it. Oh, you're not <laughs> buying it. We'll see. Maybe I will. Lame. Which brings us to uh, probably the best news article that I've picked up today. About Blizzard's BlizzCon goodie bag. Uh, Fans who are attending the event in Anaheim, California from November 3rd to 4th will receive gifts when picking up their tickets. Not heading to BlizzCon? You can still get a chance to get the goodie bag. Check out their uh, preview because I lost my spot in this article. Tomorrow, September 13th. Uh, That's Pacific time at 12 p.m. Shit. If you've got a virtual ticket, you'll be able to purchase it for a $10 discount. The big item in the gift bag is BlizzCon's backpack with a Velcro front for loading up patches. 
funny patches, video game patches. I don't know. I kind of found that as a what an oxymoron and onomatopoeia. What the hell's that word? I, I have no idea pa- what you're even talking about. Patches for a video game versus patches for a backpack. Nah, forget it. They're patches. They don't need no stinking patches. Um, I think I understand what you're saying, and I don't know. All right. Blizzard <laughs> includes packets for each of its games. One for World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Hearthstone, Hearthstone, Diablo, Heroes of the Storm, and Overwatch. The Overwatch backpack hanger, or keychain, is included as well. It's a blind bag, which means you won't know which one you've got until you open it. Soldier 76, Anna, Diva, McCree, May, Widowmaker, Tracer, Torbjorn, Reapers, and Yada, Reinhardt, and a mystery hero are available. Next up is Overwatch Edition's cute but deadly blind box. A mystery hero is available here as well. Genji, Reaper, McCree, Diva, Sombra, Lucio, Zarya, Hanzo, Soldier 76, Farah, Tracer, and Bastion are some of the options that are listed uh, on the, in the article. Lastly, Blizzard included a special collectible pin that is not explicitly Overwatch themed, but Widowmaker is seen on the package. Blizzard expected to go over the goodies during the pre-BlizzCloud stream. Oh, here it is. Scheduled for September 13th at 12 p.m. Pacific time. The developer will go over the exciting changes, and they put that in quotes for some reason, planned for its virtual ticket, as well as the in-game goodies that come along with the event. Um, Who's reporting on this? This is coming from Dot Esports. And all our links to the news articles will be in the show notes for this show. But according to um, this, this even makes me want to buy this virtual ticket even more since I am unable to actually attend BlizzCon. Any speculation on what that ticket's going to come in at for price point? I don't know. I'm looking at the same you would pay for a pay-per-view event. I'm thinking 50 to $60. And how much do you think they're going to charge for the box? Or do they um, say so? The, the fact that they're, they're giving virtual ticket people $10 off... Leads me to believe it's going to... Well, it's not $10. <laughs> well, which leads me to believe it's probably going to be another 40 to 50 bucks at minimum. Makes sense. Um, a backpack nowadays, a Jansport backpack goes for like 50 bucks, and then you're getting all this extra shit, so who knows? But with a $200 BlizzCon ticket, you get it for free. So I'm looking at it possibly even being close to 100 bucks. On a very high end. My, my, my guess is it's probably going to come in at around, again, the $50 price range. So 100 bucks, you'll probably get the, over, uh, you know, the BlizzCon virtual ticket and this goodie bag. That's my guess. All right. I mean, you agree, disagree? You think that's too much? Would you pay it? I don't know if I'd pay it. Now, the reason I don't like blind boxes or anything like that for the simple fact that if I don't get like a character that I want, I guess I'll like appreciate it, but I, you know, I want to buy what I want to buy. Now the whole like chance and lottery type aspect of a blind box, not a fan. And that's probably, that's a personal thing. You know, I know tons of people who love that. Yeah, I I did blind boxes a little while for uh, some yeah, some Disney like four stuff. Four or five of the same thing. I'm that does okay suck. That. I, that does suck. That that is the problem I ran into, and that's kind of I think why I stopped because you know it was like ten dollars for a blind box. You get five of the same ones. You just wasted forty bucks on, on these blind boxes, and you haven't even finished the collection. I mean, the cool thing with the Disney ones I did, um, I guess it works in the fact that you could trade them and you can go to stores, to Disney stores around the country, and they have a little box and you can trade them. I don't even know if they do it anymore. 
but you used to be able to do it in Disney World at well at, at most of their stores and everything else. You could try to find the ones you wanted, or you can go online and you know instead of doing the blind boxing, buy them off eBay or find people to trade with online. So it it, it kind of works out in that sense. I don't think that Blizzard though is trying to get into the whole trading thing with these blind boxes. No, maybe not. But, I mean, you might see some of that at the actual event. I don't doubt it. I mean, if you get, like, a Rhiny and you don't want a Rhiny and you want your Tracer, <laughs> you, you could trade somebody who may have a Tracer for your Reinhardt. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. The it, it, To me, it completely depends on a price point. Like, all these gifts are, like, nice. It's a nice free gift for a ticket holder am i gonna pay for it when i didn't really expect to i don't know it really would really depend it depends on cost it depends on cost completely what, what's the highest you'll pay for it i don't know like 30 bucks for the virtual ticket or for the for the goodie bag how much would you pay for the virtual ticket then Probably like between like 60 to 70 bucks i think okay so if it was 90 dollars, you would be okay with buying both Yeah, that sounds about fair. Okay. That sounds fair. So the difference that I say was $100, that's too much. Yeah. But if you get it's $100 with that $10 off coupon, it's okay. You got a point there. <laughs> See, Blizzard knows what they're doing. Because <laughs> honestly, that's what I think it's going to come out to. That's that's my thoughts. I think it's going to be like 90. It's going to be like 100 with both, and then they're going to give, so 90 for, I don't know. It seems high, but. Look at how much other things are going for, like cable events and pay-per-views that go for $50, $60 for, for sporting events. They're trying to make esports a sporting event, so I don't see them being too much cheaper if they're cheaper at all. I guess, I don't know. I, My I don't... issue is it's not on TV, though. It's something you have to stream from a computer device, whether it's a tablet, a, com a laptop, or whatever else. And then you can hook it up to a TV or sh screen share it with like a Chromecast or something. I get it, but there's a lot more work to get it on your TV if you want to sit down, relax, and try to watch it without being in front of a, a computerized device. That's my problem. Maybe I'm old school there, but I prefer to watch my TV on a fucking TV. I don't know. I think it's a For something like that, maybe. I mean, I don't know how active. Well, if they're some... trying to make it like sports, where's the Super Bowl going to be? You want to huddle around a computer screen with your friends to watch it? Would you be uh, more apt to watching it on a 60-inch flat screen? Okay. Get a point. Yeah. So, which brings us, speaking of Disney, I brought up Disney and the stupid blind boxes. The last article I have is about uh, uh, Disney. And maybe this isn't so much for our gaming nerds out there, but uh, the legendary Exitensio dies. He was an animator and Imagineer for Walt Disney Company, responsible for bringing some of the most iconic Disney park rides to life, including Pirates of the Caribbean, one of my favorites, and Haunted Mansion, one of my favorites. He was also worked as an animator on the classic films Pinocchio, not one of my favorites, and Fantasia, never seen it. Disney announced the news on their D23 account today. Atencio was born in... Uh, we don't really care about that, do we? I mean, high, on the highlighted version, the guy worked on a lot of old movies... Mm -hmm. Then he worked on some park attractions. Pretty notable. You guys probably heard of him. Yeah. He, he wrote Yoho. Um, he wrote the, the Grim Grinning Ghost for the Haunted Mansion and is the narrator for the Haunted Mansion ride. Um, he was he, – for the Haunted Mansion reasons is why I, I decided to put this in here. It's one of my favorite rides at, at Walt Disney World. I knew about him from this ride. That ride is – researching that ride and the history of that ride and 
just because I love the way Disney did that ride on a nerdy level of the way the doom buggy set up to make you only view certain areas of the ride. So you can't see behind you and stuff like that. And the way the ride turns at specific times, all that shit is planned to make sure you see what you're supposed to see. And it's fuck magical. (laughs) And he's responsible for, for this iconic ride. So, I mean, Disney does that a lot with, with a lot of their stuff. Take, take any of their rides, the thought that they put into anything uh, Technology-wise or, or storytelling, they're unbeatable. The, I mean, the Seven Doors Mind Train with the projection faces to make them try to look realer and everything else. While I think it was done well, I don't think it was exactly great. But it was something new and innovative, and nobody has done something like that before at any other theme park attraction. And plus, we went to Disney World recently, so. Coming off the high from that. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us into our topic, and that is this is the first time we've been there, and we go to Disney quite often, that we got to experience Avatar the or Pandora, the world of Avatar. The, the, the name is kind of stupid. Just call it Pandora. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to. That's how they reference it. Like, it's from a movie. They didn't <laughs> invent it, or it's not based on a real place. So I think, you know, I think that... The long-ass title is important? Yeah, I mean, because... Eventually, everyone's going to know it as Pandora. They might just lop, you know, they might lop off the the rest of it, but, you know, over time. But for now, they just opened it this year. Um, They've been working on it for forever. I know I've never even seen the movie Avatar until we were on vacation and I rented it from Amazon Prime. And I was like, oh, well, you know yeah, what? The, the, the night you came home after visiting that park, right. the first, well, or that I area of the because, park. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's it's just gorgeous. I can't even, you know, I don't think I could, my description could ever do it justice, but I needed to see, like, what this movie was about. Of course, it was, what is it, that, that one of the highest grossing films? like If in, not the highest grossing film, yeah. I think it's the highest one, yeah, that's, you know, ever made, which is crazy. Um, I never had any interest at all in seeing it. What, did it come out in 2009? I don't remember, because I never had any interest in seeing it either. Yeah, I think that I was uh, graduating college then, or I don't know. I had no interest. I'm like, I really don't even care about this movie. And people were, like, losing their minds after seeing it. And then, you know, then it dies off. And then all of a sudden, we get the announcement that Disney's building this whole huge land yeah. in uh, Animal, Kingdom. Animal Kingdom Park. And I'm like, why? Why would they do that? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I was kind of pissed about it. Just it's like, also not a Disney intellectual property, which <laughs> was a bit of my issue with it. It's like Disney keeps buying... Marvel and and Lucasfilms and Pixar and all these other companies. Where is that innovative Disney Disney aspect they had through the beginning? Where where did all that go? I want to see Disney overcome these other companies. I want to see Disney do the job. That being said, how many movies do you expect this on. one company to come out with? Hold up, hold up, there, buddy. Let me let me finish. Am I upset that they purchased all these things? Hell no. Am I happy that Star Wars and Pixar are coming to the parks and now they're partnered with Disney? Hell yeah. I just wish at this point, I think Disney is too wrapped up in its extras or their extra, uh, um, what is it now? What are they called? Intellectual properties. There are other companies that they acquired than they are putting back into classic Disney stuff. Maybe I'm an old fogey, but I still like my Mickey Mouse and would like to see... Uh, more of him in some of the parks. Not, I'm not saying overrun it like it was, but I mean, 
some 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 areas, some places, some parks, I feel don't even pay tribute to them too much anymore. I feel like it. I disagree with you. I I feel like Epcot. it doesn't need to. Where do you see Mickey Mouse and Epcot other than a meet and greet? I mean, aside from like the seventy thousand merchandise stores there are with Mickey Mouse in it, I don't think it needs to because I don't think it's the type of park. I, I think time and place is everything. He belongs in Magic Kingdom. In a lot of ways, he belongs in Hollywood Studios. Um, you know, another one of their parks. I don't. I don't think he needs to be on everything. It's like oh, let's slap the Disney logo on everything. I think that- maybe that's a bad example. I'm just saying the classic Disney stuff in general. Classic Disney movies: Lady in the Tramp, Pinocchio. After I just said, I, I don't say, care for it. You do not like Lady in the Tramp, and you just said that you <laughs> don't like Pinocchio. But I do like to see the tributes and the homage and everything else to these movies. Uh, maybe not so much them, but Mary Poppins. Um, and I know they're making a remake of that too, but I feel like they've lost some of that when they acquired all of this. That's all I'm saying. I disagree. Well, again, I think it's time and a place. And what it will, I think uh, you read this recently, like these parks, they're they're not museums. They're they're theme not. Parks. So do something new with them. That's what I'm saying. What are you going to do with new with like a eighty year old movie? Anything. Create a new restaurant with them. I don't care. I think that's dumb. Whatever. You, you can think it's dumb. I don't. I don't think it's dumb. Well, so poo on you. Well, poo on you. Well, poo on you first. I said it first, so I win. It's fine. But back to, 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 to the Pandora area. You found it exhilarating and great. Honestly, I didn't feel the same way about the looks and, and feel of it. Okay. I, From what I heard from other people, I think my expectation was higher than it should have been. I was expecting to see like every leaf being fluorescent blue at night and glowing and and all these crazy LED lights everywhere and it just being a hue of blue or, you you know, like like that blue color. It does light up. Some of the plants light up and they do a good job of it and they got the black light shining on the ground to show some colors and stuff like that. It's cool. Yeah. For people who haven't seen the movie, it's uh, in Pandora when night falls. The entire environment is bioluminescent, which pretty much means shit glow in the dark. Yeah. And I wanted to see a hell of a lot more than, than, than I think was there. And that's just based on what I heard other people talk about it. So maybe my expectations were higher than it should have been. The floating mountains that they had in Pandora, the, the giant rock things that are hanging from the sky, literally hanging. Ab- mountains. Yeah. They're literally hanging above your damn head. That was pretty cool. The waterfalls and the waterworks were excellent. It's the plant life that I I felt a little less than desired on. And the main thing, the attractions. They have two attractions in this area. Uh, One of them is a river journey, like it's a small world attraction that everybody knows and loves or hates. Um, or Pirates of the Caribbean type thing where you get in a boat and you ride around and you get to see this awesome scenery. The scenery in that ride is what I was expecting the outside to look like. That's what I wanted to see. see. But you know what? If if you're going to see that in the outside environment, why go on the ride? Because you still have the animatronics in the ride. And the animatronic in that ride is by far the best animatronic in all of Disney World. Dare I say, probably the world. Yeah. That it, thing looks fucking human. Well, as human as, as, as I don't know things that, are going to look like. Yeah. That thing it looks, looks crazy. It looks real life. It looks like you could hold a conversation with that motherfucker. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. Uh, that ride was the shaman. That was impressive. See, now 
I think what we should have done was go, gone to the park at night to see the environment first before going on that ride because I think that's what that's what disappointed you. You went on that ride first. Maybe. Maybe that is what disappointed me. Maybe that does add to the ride, going through it, seeing that, and then seeing everything open up in the ride. That never, makes sense. Yeah, and never, that makes sense to the storytelling, which, like I said, Disney is awesome at. But I never what? Um, I lost my train of thought. But you never see that um, – the river journey, like you never see any of that entire environment during the day. You only see it at night. So it's just yeah. they're able to just make that the way it is. Because the it's outside environment, that has to adapt to day to night. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I still think they did a really good job. I'm not saying they didn't. I think the land is great. I ve- enjoyed it. In fact, this time when we were in Disney World, how many days did we spend in Animal Kingdom? More than we ever have. More than we ever have. And it has probably come to be my second favorite park in all of Disney World behind Epcot. But Pandora helps that. I do believe with the opening of Pandora um, and and everything else I loved about that park, it definitely um, accommodates it and and, and makes it a plus. It it definitely ups their game there. And and I mean the food place there in the Pandora area, the Satuli Canteen, Mm -hmm. yo, amazing. I, those those bayo buns, what the hell are Bow they called? Buns. Whatever. How you say it? Those things are fucking crack. I could have eaten about fifteen of them, bitches. You Get, would have spent like four hundred dollars. Yeah. Let's not forget Disney pricing. Yeah, but I mean that and some grog or green Stella. <laughs> I, I it makes Stella taste better. <laughs> <laughs> I I I definitely enjoyed eating there. What we ate there quite a few times. I mean. Take us through some of the menu items because you ordered. I really didn't order. I just ate stuff when you ordered it. I mean, you've got this sort of make your own bowl. You choose, um, you know, it's very vegetarian friendly, this place. So if you're not a meat eater, they've got, you know, more than salad to, you know, to satisfy you. But you And eat- if you are a meat eater, try the fried tofu anyway. It, it, it's pretty bang bang. They look like croutons. They look like croutons, mm. but they're they're actually pretty good. But um, they have like – they're like – I don't know. They're like dumplings, I guess. The bayo buns, yeah. Yeah, so they're filled with either like a vegetable curry or a cheeseburger, you know, for, um, you know, norm- yep. normal people, people on normal diets. and um, the second- Or people not willing to try new stuff, yeah. Or maybe they've tried it and they don't like it. Don't- maybe. maybe. <laughs> but they should at least try it once because it's bang, bang. Oh, well, okay. All right. All right. But going back to your bowls, you, you, you pick your protein or your meat which is where you you pick your tofu. Then you pick like a side, which is like rice or what else was there? Kale salad. Um, there was a few others too. Quinoa. 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 It's definitely catered quinoa, to people who Quino. Want. Quino. I don't know. Lufa. <laughs> yeah. And then you pick some kind of sauce. Um, and what did we do? The, the, the chutney sauce? The onion chutney or something was, like that? Uh, an onion chimichurri. Yeah. Like I said, that... That, those bowls were pretty good, and I don't like kale. I, I hate kale. In fact, I think kale should never have been invented. Anything really that could be interpreted as healthy, Joe really doesn't That's like. That's not true. It. I so like I'm vegetables. That uh, he's even giving, you know, this restaurant a pretty pretty decent review to his standards. Um, for the most, again, it's geared to people who want to eat a little bit healthier. It's not your traditional theme park cheeseburger, chicken nugget type, you know, place, which I enjoy because those places are everywhere and it's kind of nice to be able to you know 
have something different for once. And I think that's why I like Epcot and Animal Kingdom more than 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 like Magic Kingdom because that's pretty much what I feel Magic Kingdom is is a lot of hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken nuggets at their stands while their restaurants have some kind of better food. But Epcot and now Animal Kingdom between uh, the African area of the Harambe Village where you can get your, your, your ribs and, and, and I don't remember what else they have off the top of my head. At a counter service, you can get ribs. You can walk up to a window and order ribs or whatever. And then, you know, in your Asia area, you can get, I don't know, I guess it's Chinese food. Wow. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we live in the Northeast where Chinese food is a dime a dozen. But, or they even have sushi. At a window that you can order from. I mean, that is awesome to me that you don't have to pay sit-down prices to get these things in a theme park. Where normally you would have to sit down and order sushi at a restaurant and tip a server in the whole nine. While I think some of the restaurants are unbeatable, um, I'm glad to see that Disney is taking a definite turn in changing the way counter service works. So the Satuli Canteen counter service... Is awesome. Um, the the store there, I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed by the store it's as a well. Store, oh my god! But I like Disney's theming on things. I like the stores on Main Street USA and the Magic Kingdom better than I like this store because it's themed at the twentieth century, the the turn of the century, and they follow that through each of the stores if you look close enough. I like that. It's a store. I don't care. I want to talk about something actually interesting. What about uh, flight or the uh, flight of passage? All right, you're jumping into the, the last thing I want to bring up because I know this is where everything's gonna go to hell in a handbag. Um, don't uh, drop the mic here, Joe Joe Rody, who was responsible for the Animal Kingdom Park, and James Cameron, who worked on this land with him, right here did a mic drop. This ride is absolutely the best. Uh, in Disney World, and I don't think that's a matter of opinion at this point. Um, it's pretty much fact. Uh, they broke the mold doing this ride. It is a 4D intense experience ride. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, I've, you know, as I've gotten older, not really, you know, so much into like roller coasters or theme rides or, th- you know, thrill rides like that. So, um, this is more like, you know, if you've been on Soren or these other type of rides where, you know, you're kind of just sitting in a seat and you have this giant screen. You're kind of moved around a little bit just to make it feel like you're moving. And for the most part, most of those rides, you feel, you know, you feel like you're moving and it's easy to kind of like, you know, go with it. But with this one, it's like, it's, it, it's, it, it's incredible. Literally the, the first two seconds we're in this ride of. I just grabbed Joe by like the chest and he's like, why are you, why are you touching me? Like, what am I going to do? And it's well, like, wow, it's, it's how real it felt. Though. But, but let's back up on that. I mean, it's not like we were sitting next to, to each other. We had our own ride vehicle on this ride. Yeah. It like so it's like a motorcycle. I want to get to that in a minute, but yeah. So it's like for you to reach over and grab me, you're literally reaching off of your little cart that you're sitting in to touch me in a separate cart yeah that that is true <laughs> i extended my arm pretty it, it was um a good like 18 to, to 20 inches i, was, I thought you were gonna say feet for a second i'm yeah. like my arms are not that long <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, let's start at the beginning of the ride beginning with the queue the queue is is awesome we did fast passes uh because i'm not waiting six hours to get on any ride no matter how awesome it is um uh, 
And we, we still had about a 20 to 30 minute wait, even with fast passes. And then I found out why. You start off by going into a room and getting briefed on what's going to happen and, and this whole training program. And I don't want to give away too many details, but it takes you through a story before you actually get to your ride vehicle. And it basically, you, you get to your ride vehicle and, and like Lori was saying, it, it, it's modeled after like straddling a motorcycle and it locks your legs and your back in with your chest pressed up against, um, I don't know, like this, this, this chest bar. And then you hold on as if it was like a motorcycle. And the actual thing moves left and right and I think back and forth and up and down. <coughs> so when it dives and it turns left and right, your little motorcycle thing is moving with the screen. Uh, and with how high def and everything it is and how in, the, in your face it is, by far amazing. So comparing it to Soren is an understatement in my opinion. Soren is great um, with the whole screen thing and the fact you're on a vehicle in front of the screen. I see how you can follow that. But they reimagined and redid that idea 10 times over with, with this. Um, yeah, this is as optimized as this type of ride is going to get. So any new like ride innovation or anything they're going to come up with, to me, has got to be something completely new because they just there is the, not a lot of improving on this. This is just completely broke the mold. Yeah, they got to come up with a whole new ride scheme now. This, this set the bar for, for anybody. I don't care if it's Universal or Six Flags or any other theme park. This set the bar on what a new ride needs to be. It needs to be innovative. It needs to be something new. It can't be the same same old stuff. Who wants to go on this, on a roller coaster for the 900th time. Yeah, maybe it's themed to Batman or maybe it's themed to the Scream Machine or it's themed to uh, Rock and Roller Coaster in Disney. It's still, at the end of the day, a roller coaster. You get into a cart, you take down the stupid shoulder harness, and you go. You get a few loop-de-loops, you're done. It, it, it does get old and it does get repetitive and there's only so much they could do with it. This is different. This is amazing. And like I said, it was 4D. Not only do you wear the 3D glass and get the 3D effect, you also get sprayed with water if you buy water. There's smells in this ride, uh, depending on the location you're at and the flowers and shit you're buying. There is more than just a 3D ride vehicle. This is sensory overload. By far amazing. I cannot say enough good things about this ride. This is something we actually agree on. Yeah. We agree on a lot of things. You just don't like to agree with me to agree with me, maybe. I don't know. But anything else you want to add to the Pandora area? All in all, definitely. For people who haven't been um, who haven't been by in a while to you know Animal Kingdom or Disney World in general, like definitely it's worth the trip. Absolutely worth the trip just to see it. And for people who've just never been. Go see it. If you're a fan of Avatar, which I'm, I think you know, I'm definitely become a fan of it due to the park. I went to the park first, then I watched the movie. The movie was pretty good. It was good. It was good. It wasn't like, oh my god, this is the best movie ever. Like some, like some of the reactions that people were, you know, that they had when they first saw the movie. I think I read, I think I read something about like why this movie grossed so much money. I mean, aside from James Cameron, literally. You know, waiting to make this movie until special effects technology was able to do what he wanted, which is pretty pretty dope, by the way. You know, mm -hmm. wasn't going to settle for less, which I think is awesome. Um, but aside from that, I mean, you had people, I think, saying like, "Oh, I can't like return to normal life. It just seems like gray after they see this movie." And just like, well, like, chill the <laughs> fuck out. Like, it's just a movie, and is 
It looks amazing. That's the best part of the movie. Plot and dialogue could have been a little bit better, but other all in all, it's a really fun. It was a fun summer blockbustery type movie. Definitely helped set up the park for me. Made me enjoy it a little bit more the second time I went there. So yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. So all Avatar fans, I think, will be completely satisfied over the top happy about it and people who've just never seen it before can still you don't even need to see the movie at all you no need to see it at all to really take it all in it's awesome i agree um i forgot what i was going to say now but if, if just word to the wise agreed go to disney world if you haven't been in a while or you know even if you've been two years ago things have definitely changed um but if you're trying to get on this ride or you're trying to visit this land, you need to make you better be at that park early and you better get in those gates early and you better haul ass to where it is. Because like I was saying, there is a six hour wait some days for this ride. While we were there and we were in an off season, it was three hours. Yeah. So, you know, we waited with fast passes a half hour and it was amazing. Now, if I waited like three or four hours, I don't know if I'd have the same opinion feeling about it because i don't think any i'm sorry i just don't think any ride is worth waiting three to six hours for just no no thanks i i hear you but there is one last thing to bring up and that's the rookery the little banshee things that people can buy this is like another new thing disney did oh i was like what the hell are you talking about yeah so the banshees from avatar you can get you can buy little baby banshees they sit on your shoulder uh with a magnetic thing and you get to control them in your pocket so it looks like they move they're pretty cool I mean, I think it would be a little better if it was like a, a, a wireless remote thing to move them rather than this thing attached to a wire. That's my only complaint. But. Yeah, well, keep, keep in mind, this thing's only like $50 and not like 200 So I don't know if a wireless controller. You, you could buy a remote control car that can go forward and backward and left and right for like 50 bucks. Those little Okay, so they look like little birds that are chilling out on your shoulder. I saw a kid wearing one. It kind of freaked me out. I'm like, I'm not really sure what the hell that is. <laughs> and then I saw other kids. I'm like, okay, this must be something that um that was sold like in one of these parks because the first like the kid that i saw wearing it was on a bus and the kid itself was just a weirdo so see this weirdo thing on a weirdo kid's shoulder and i'm thinking like oh what the hell where the hell did they get that and then i'm like oh other kids have it uh it's sold here okay totally makes sense now i'm just not really sure um (laughs) very interesting to say the least Anything else you want to add? That's the last thing I had. No, I think, I don't know. I think we pretty much covered everything there is about, I mean, at least our take on Pandora. Well, then I'm going to finish it up with just saying thank you to our listeners for uh, listening to this episode about Walt Disney World. I'm sure we'll have more in the future as it is one of our favorite places to visit. And there is so much technology and nerd stuff there. And if you don't believe me, you got to go and check it out and look at it on a nerdy level and not as a grown up or parent or stuck up asshole uh but enjoy it for what it is and it's an amazing place i think i think i don't know i think disney's kind of like a, a haven for you know fellow nerds and because it really allows you to be like nerdy because what, what you know what's you know There's without really, being like philosophical like what is a nerd someone who's just really really into shit you know i agree i don't disagree with you and, and i am a dis nerd so I do plan to bring this back in the future along with our, uh, again, with our games and our, our movies and, and Marvel and comic reviews and everything else. But this is something I definitely want to get into. And I'm just thanking everybody for listening to this episode. There will be others because when Nerdcaster goes on vacay, 
the first episode we record when we come back from vacay will be about Disney. But don't worry, if you are not a Disney nerd, we will definitely tag the episode with Disney so you can avoid it if you choose. Yes. That being said, uh, remember to hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaster, on Twitter at nerd underscore caster, on Instagram at nerdcaster. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcast listening directories. Um, Leave a review if you feel so choosy to do so. Only good ones. Please. Please. And that's about all I have. You got anything else? Nope. Nerdcaster out. Nerdcaster out.